Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It was a beautiful, crisp fall day. We all agree. A day like today. The kind of day that makes you want to play hooky from work. A perfect blue sky. No humidity, so everything was crystal clear as I drove south on Lakeshore Drive, trying both to pay attention to traffic and to gaze out onto Lake Michigan as I drove the length of the city to go to work that day trying to get there early for a meeting before school started. It was a perfect fall day. Everyone agrees. It was the same in New York, I know. Seems it was that kind of day everywhere. Was it beautiful here, wherever you were on that day 15 years ago? the day azure skies turned to ash. I hardly need to describe the events, the day, a beautiful day, then a plane and a building, an accident, then a second plane, no accident. Then those of us not there, trying desperately to figure out what was happening glued to radio and television, worried that it might happen here too, so scurried to take children out of school, to shut down all flights. Nothing had happened to us, no crash, no fire, no panic and smoke-filled stairwells, no firefighters rushing in. We were still in a beautiful, blue day, looking up at skies that suddenly, surprisingly, had no planes in them. And it was hard to imagine that the perfect still day on the south side of Chicago wasn't happening everywhere. I don't need to describe that day 15 years ago. Everyone here, other than the children, will remember where they were on that day. Each one of you has a story, a memory, a feeling about the day that marked us forever. I don't think about September 11th that often anymore, though the memories, like the sky that day, are crystal clear when I turn to them. It feels impossible that it's been 15 years. And though I have sharp memories of the day, I don't think I truly understood that day or the days to follow until I moved to that region. First Connecticut for seminary, then outside the city for my first church position. There, everyone knew someone, someone who had worked in the towers, 
someone who was supposed to be there that day but wasn't, someone who had walked across the Brooklyn Bridge when all traffic had ground to a halt, someone who was a first responder, someone who died. There, it wasn't a news story or history, it was a personal story. Clergy friends in New York told stories of volunteering at St. Paul's Chapel, the small chapel of Trinity Wall Street where George Washington once worshiped and which faced the World Trade Center but was amazingly untouched by the disaster. The chapel had immediately turned over its identity as a church worshiping on Sundays into a place of refuge during the recovery, open around the clock to serve hot meals, provide places for firefighters and police to sleep exhausted on pews made up into beds. Nurses and doctors volunteered there to tend the blistered hands and feet of the workers and musicians were in the sanctuary offering comforting music and massage therapists and chiropractors offered healing services and therapists and priests and rabbis and pastors of all denominations offered counseling and prayer. The longer I lived there, the more I learned about the tenacity of those who worked immediately after and for the long months and years following the devastation. And while that place resembled a pit of hell, smoldering and smoky for weeks following, there were also glimpses of the kingdom of God, a kingdom not yet realized but apparent in the tireless rescue and recovery effort. Though the government and the city officials and all the structures of emergency management were crucial, that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking instead about individual firefighters, police, all kinds of construction workers, boiler makers and carpenters, machinists, plumbers and pipe fitters, trucksters and truckers and teamsters, volunteers from all over, average men and women, people like you and me, people who would not give up, who searched and searched and searched, sometimes moving hot metal by hand or in small buckets, to try to gently uncover any who might still be alive and then for months to find those who had perished. A fellow priest, Hannah Anderson, who worked as a chaplain during those months of recovery, still takes comfort in the tender way all those there searched for all those lost. Those working the site, often tough union members, construction workers, had an unstated agreement that no spitting or swearing was allowed because it was a common understanding among people that they were working quite literally among the ashes of human bodies, of loved ones lost. And when a worker uncovered human remains, a bell was rung. A bell was rung. And this was to call a bishop or a rabbi to the center 
where he or she would cradle the body part with great tenderness and offer a blessing before it was taken to the morgue. With each unearthing of a remnant, there was reason for celebration. The lost, now found. The lost, now found. Found after weeks, after months, after searching through a pile of rubble using bare hands, endangering oneself just to make sure that everyone, every single person, whether an executive at Cantor Fitzgerald, a dishwasher at the restaurant windows on the world, or a firefighter who ran up the stairs when everyone else was running down, they did that to make sure that everyone would be found. The search went on and on. Even now, the search continues with DNA testing to identify all the remains of all those who died because Every single individual person matters. It's why every single name of those who died that day is inscribed in the 9-11 Memorial Plaza. It's why the New York Times gave over pages and pages and months and months to publish a picture and an article about every single person. This is the way that our God searches for each one of us because none of us is dispensable. When even one of us is lost, then we as the body of Christ are diminished. When sinners and tax collectors come to Jesus, there are those religious leaders who grumble that Jesus welcomes and eats with sinners which is true, and some of those sinners are the worst, not just average sinners like us, but tax collectors who collaborated with the oppressive Roman government, and Jesus welcomes them. In fact, when people dare complain, Jesus tells the lost parables. Using normal images of a shepherd and a woman with some coins, Jesus makes clear that God will search for us no matter how small or insignificant we feel, how lost we are. Even in ordinary times, we can get glimpses of the inbreaking of God's kingdom, a shepherd leaving his flock to find the one, a woman who scours the house for the lost coin, then uses that coin and more coins to celebrate the return. Today, 15 years later, we remember that even in horrible, not ordinary, but horrible times, we can also get glimpses of the inbreaking of God's kingdom. Firefighters and police officers working 12-hour shifts, then sleeping in a tiny church, and then going back out to keep looking. Construction workers sifting through smoldering steel and drifts of ash to find all those who are lost, no matter whether they are saints or sinners.
We can take the shepherd and the woman as images for a God who never ever stops searching for us, no matter how lost we are. Feeling distant from God or struggling with illness or addiction or beset by some grief that will not let us go. We can also see these ordinary people who search and search and search as reminders that we too are meant to participate in the hope of God's kingdom, a place, a time when we ensure that no one lost stays lost, where we want everyone to be found. For we live in a world where sheep and coins and loved ones are lost. But we also dream of hope for a time of God's beloved community where we search, we search for the lost no matter the cost. On this anniversary of 9-11, as we begin another program year at church, when folks who have been gone for the summer return and those looking for a church shyly try us out, and those who might feel very, very lost need to be found. Let us be aware of them. Let us realize that one is missing. Let us be aware of the lost. Sometimes that's another. Sometimes that's ourselves. And may we always be aware that it is exactly the lost who Jesus welcomes and eats with. The lost whom God seeks untiringly. And if we want to be with Jesus, if we want to sit with Jesus, if we want to be the body of Christ at all saints, we've got to seek those trapped in burning buildings and smoldering embers. We've got to sweep the corners. We've got to go out into the hills seeking the lost sheep. For only when we're willing to hang out with the sinner and the tax collector and the lost, only when we realize that God is always finding us, only when we help find, only then will we know Jesus. And only then will there be rejoicing in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.